All right, crack open a tepid Genesee and watch the pictures as they travel through your neighbor's Wi-Fi. It's the Rees Company. I'm Steve Rees, the bull of American broadcasting, alongside the great, the potentate of the Chevy stock Super 8, Chris Morganti. How are you, Chris? I'm good. I like the intro. Very excited? Oh, yeah, always. We have a lot going on tonight. Actually, uh, two big things. Right. We have a new uh, funny or hate crime. Yes, and we also have uh, a new movie of the week of the week. This week, it's Off the Minnesota Strip from 1980. And um, I guess we should just dive right into this, correct? Why not? Okay, you've brought in another funny or hate crime. Now, shall we explain how this works? Uh, Well, it's basically something that uh, we find either funny or a hate crime. Some article in the news. Um, So far... The two we've done before, uh, one came down as both and the other came down as neither. So this is very open to any kind of interpretation we want to put on it. It's important to point out that uh, there are four choices. We have funny, we have hate crime, we have both, or none of the above. Or possibly a fifth possibility we haven't even come up with yet. We haven't encountered that one yet, but that's always a possibility. Um, How familiar are, are you with the story we have for this week? Um, pretty familiar, actually. Okay, you want to tell the folks? Uh, the headline is, Man Claims He Found Black Sims Chained Up in Basement While Playing on His Ex's Computer. Now, I say I'm familiar with this because uh, 20 years ago, I played the original game, The Sims, on my computer. Uh, I did not realize people were still playing it. I, I guess there's been new versions. I, I haven't kept up with it. But um, when I used to play, it was not possible... Uh, to have slavery in your game. But um, apparently they've uh, made it more dynamic. I don't know. And that's why I was skeptical about this, because I know nothing about The Sims. Uh, I thought this story might be fake, because, like you, Chris, I couldn't imagine this would be something the game would allow a player to do. So I asked the A-bomb about this. Okay. Because um, every few months, she gets tired of hearing about Oasis dawn to dusk. And uh, she decides uh, to cleanse her mental palate. She's got to play The Sims for a few hours or perhaps even a day okay. or an entire weekend. It's, it can be very engrossing. It is engrossing, and uh, she seems to enjoy it, and it provides a, a sense of peace. And she told me that there are people who know how to man- manipulate the game in a way yeah. where almost anything is possible. So this is very likely that someone figured out how to do this. Yeah, it didn't, it didn't seem out of the realm of possibility to me because when I used to play... Um, you know, I'd, I'd play my character and I, you'd, you'd end up with like a wife at some point, right? And yeah. a wife and a family and a home and all this. And eventually you'd be like, eh, maybe, I'm, maybe I want to try having a new wife. So what I would do is I'd, I'd send the wife into the swimming pool in the backyard there, the swimming pool. And then you just use your, uh, your editing tool to delete the ladder so that she cannot get out of the swimming pool. <laughs> and uh, she drowns. The body goes away in a couple of days, and you're all clear to have a new wife. And you go on the star in Boston Legal. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, that's the extent of your knowledge of uh, the chicanery you can pull as yeah. a player yeah. in Sims. So, uh, yeah, the, so this story does check out. Yeah. Um, funny, hate crime, both, neither. Well, we have some further information. Uh, the relationship did not end long after this happened. So this did cause a breakup. Uh, he said he was kind of, he was a racist. He was kind of like a misogynist. He was a cheater. He always had his phone face down. Now, what I found interesting about this is uh, these are two gay guys, right? Yeah, yeah. 
he's a misogynist? How's that work with two gay guys? I, I'm not sure I'm following that, uh, that part of it. Well, that's how big a misogynist is. He doesn't want anything to do with women. <laughs> okay. All right. I guess. I don't know. So you, but because a lot of times when they call a man a misogynist, they always say, uh, like they did this with Trump. It's like, oh, he, he's a misogynist. He hates women. He can't stand women. He has hatred toward women. And yeah. well, what is your evidence for this? Well, he can't get enough women. <laughs> yeah. It yeah. didn't never really seem to add up. I, I guess it's all about how you treat them. I think that can be a true misogynist. He, he's so committed to his hatred toward the quote-unquote fairer sex that he, he doesn't even want to have sex with them. You, you have a great point. Maybe he's not even gay. <laughs> yes, it's, that's, how, that's how deep the hatred yeah. goes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I'm not sure where I'd weigh in. I, I, it's definitely not a hate crime. It, it's funny. I mean, it's pretty damn funny. It's, a, you, fun, it's a funny thing to do. I don't think it can be considered a hate crime because uh, can you commit an act of hatred against pixelated characters on a computer screen? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we don't know that they were all black. You know, we got no reliable source on that. It could have been a, a person of another race chained up in the basement as well. Who knows? Yeah, in this article, I saw no <laughs> screenshots of uh, what this guy was up to. Right. So we're saying not a hate crime. What his handiwork produced. No, not a hate crime. It's, it's kind of funny. I think if we did have screenshots, it would be funnier. Not an act of hate. Um, uh, uh, perhaps um, an extension of his beliefs, but there's no proof of that. Right. So it's difficult to ascribe hatred to it. Um, and not a crime. No, not a crime. But do you find it funny? I don't know if it's necessarily funny. I think yeah. it's more odd than funny. Yeah. Do we have a funny strange or funny aha category for uh, these? I things? suppose either definition of that word will work. Okay, so. well, I will say funny strange, or in the absence of that as an option, I will say neither. Yeah, I, I'm going to go with funny because I chuckled a little bit. All right. Shall we do it? Our movie of the week of the week. Yeah, you want to go for this? You know, this thing was a real, this was a real goldmine of uh, interesting things going on. Interesting dialogue. Yeah, but it, it certainly did not start that way. Um, if if we want to dive into the first clip, or or we talk going at the well, other one first. Before we get to the first clip, uh, I want to uh, explain a little about this film. It's called uh, Off the Minnesota Strip. It aired on uh, ABC. In 1980, it stars Mayor Winningham, whom, who we've seen before. Yeah. She was, who is Julia? She was the person who had another person's brain put inside her. Correct. And also uh, Hal Holbrook and Michael Learned. Well, now, Hal Holbrook, wasn't he in one of these two? I don't think we've seen him yet. No, no. I thought we did. Um, off the Minnesota Strip. Now, the term Minnesota Strip has an interesting history. It refers to an area in Hell's Kitchen, Manhattan. And it was known at the time for heavy prostitution activity and sadly not for actively heavy prostitutes. Mm. It was rumored that the girls who worked in that neighborhood were largely runaways from the Midwest who had fled to New York and ended up turning to prostitution. Hence the Minnesota strip. So you're telling me this did not take place in Minnesota? No, the film takes place in Minnesota. Oh, okay. So they're using a play on words there to, uh, Oh no, no, no. Her, uh, she flees to New York. Right. 
Yeah. Yes, but... All of the film takes place in Minnesota. In Minnesota, yeah. Yeah. But you're referencing an area in Manhattan. Yes, because that's where... It, those yes. of us who watch the film, Chris, know so, that that's where she ran away to. Look, all I said was, was they're using a double entendre, which is exactly what you're saying. No, it literally refers to this area in Manhattan that at the time was known for prostitution. Yes, and the double entendre is she's from Minnesota. It was rumored that all of the girls on that in that territory were from Minnesota. Exactly. I, we're like saying the same thing and yet we're acting like we're disagreeing. Well, I don't understand. Then it was odd to interrupt me to repeat what I just said, if that's the case. All right. I'll just, yeah, you know what? Uh, I'll just, I'll just keep my mouth shut for the rest of the show. How does that come? Well, out? please don't because this paragraph is really the rest of what I have. <laughs> <laughs> The term was so well-known that the detective from the Minneapolis Police Department uh, traveled to New York to see if he, he could recover any girls who had gone missing from his city. You know how many he found, Chris? I would guess zero. Zero. Right. Because it turned out that a lot of these girls, whenever they were asked where they were from, they'd made a habit of claiming to be from Minnesota to disguise their identities. Right. Most of them were from Jersey or Yonkers or something. I would assume. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I wonder how committed these ladies were to the Minnesota Roos. If you pass them on the sidewalk where they say, uh, hey, mister, are you looking for a prairie home companion? <laughs> Off the Minnesota Strip was uh, written and produced by a young David Chase. You know that name, right? I believe he also did The Sopranos. Yeah, he wrote and created The Sopranos. And uh, for this, he also won an Emmy for outstanding writing in a limited series or special. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, it's great. Yeah. Frankly. And uh, I enjoyed it more than The Sopranos. I thought the characters were better and more interesting. Uh, he should have made this into an eight-season series, in my opinion. <laughs> well, it stars, uh, as we said, Mayor Winningham. She plays Michelle slash Mickey Johansson slash Johansson. This movie can't decide. Yeah. Um, she's a troubled Minnesota teen who has run away from home. Now, before we get into the body of the film, there was something you noticed uh, because uh, the version we watched was from the original broadcast on KABC. Yeah. And it contained the original advertisements. Yeah, the commercials. And um, there was something you picked out that you wanted to share with the folks. Yeah, it's a movie called... Uh, called uh, Jim's bringing it up now. I don't remember. Okay, it's called The Long Riders. The Long Riders. It's a, a Western. And it looked pretty interesting. And I noticed that this is available on a couple of streaming services for free. So I'm going to take a watch in the next week and... Maybe I'll have something to say about it on the show, but it, it looks interesting. What I find really interesting is why why is why do they cast all these brothers? What's going on here? Yeah, we you have got, um, you got the Carradines, you got the Keeches, you got the Quades, and you got the uh, the guests. Yeah, very strange. Why, I, I have to know why they did this. Well, this is based on the story of the Long Riders, based on the story of the James and Younger outlaw gangs. Right. The Carradines were cast first. And the idea came about to cast more real-life brothers in all the main roles. And it was actually, Chris, originally meant to air on NBC as, as a movie, movie of the, of the week. week. Okay. Yeah. But the network eventually passed on it, so it was released to cinemas instead. Yeah, well, I think it said it was rated R, so that may, that may have been why. Well, they may have punched up the script a bit yeah. following the uh, network cancellation. Right. It could have gone either way. But uh, yeah, I just thought that was interesting and maybe, I don't know, maybe we'll get to watch it and we can have something to say about it next week or maybe it'll suck. Who knows? The fact that we've never heard of it before mm, tends me to think that uh, it's probably not so good. But. <laughs> well, maybe it didn't get much press apart from the, the network uh, ad placement because uh, it was known in the industry that it was 
originally intended to be for broadcast television. Yeah. And it kind of loses a bit of um, yeah. cachet. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So um, you want to get into the first scene you want to watch? Yeah. Okay. Now, as I said, I, this is a very, uh, the film is very exciting. It's got a lot going on. Um, why they started it this way is beyond me. You can roll it. Yeah, let, let's see this. This is about a minute, this clip here. There you hear the boat hitting the dock. Some music playing in the background. Don't worry if I'm talking. You won't be missing any dialogue. So now that, if I see correctly, the daughter's on the dock, right? No, I think she's still in the boat. She's still, she's still in the boat. Okay. She eventually gets on the dock. Are you saying this is belabored, Chris? It, it has not yet begun to be belabored. <laughs> well, watch what happens next. The old guy's trying to get off. The boat starts drifting away from the dock. <laughs> Uh-oh. Hey, maybe we should reshoot this scene. Nah, let me just grab the boat and drag it back over here. All right, now we got it solved, right? Nope. Can't get here. The old man can't get off the boat. Hey, make sure you put this in the film, all right? Hey, look on the bright side. Gordon Lightfoot got a song out of this. Yeah. Now it gets interesting with the first dialogue. Danielle? Danielle? Huh? I want you to come in and set the table for lunch. Anthony said she's going to do it. I want you to do it, and I mean like now. This is like a concentration camp. Now, uh, I'm not going to say that that's a bit hyperbolic, Steve, because uh, I did read uh, Eli Wassell's book about the Holocaust night, and uh, I do know that chief among the complaints at Auschwitz were having to set the dinner table. So <laughs> I think they were pretty spot on there. Right. No one wanted to be on KP. Right. <laughs> <clears throat> so um, not long afterward, a call comes into Shay Johansson. Now, I'd like you to take note of the room left on the other end of the line for dialogue to be heard in, in the Johansson kitchen. The convenient pauses that allow the Johansons to uh, interact, because I'll have more to say about that in just a bit. Here's the call. City Police Department. Where is she? Is she, is she okay? Mrs. Johansson, I really think it's best for all concerned if you could come down and we could talk in person. What happened? Wait, you be quiet. Can't you see I'm trying to find out? I don't understand why you're being so evasive. And what do the New York police have to do with anything? New York? New York City, geez Louise. Well, Mrs. Johansson, according to the New York City Police Department, Michelle's been involved in some prostitution out there. This is Johansson. I'm listening. Anyway, it appears that she was assaulted by a man she alleges was her pimp. She was beaten and whipped. Where do you want us to come? Where's your office? My other line's ringing. Let me put you on hold. You all right, Lee? What was she doing in New York, Mom? You can stop it there. Well, she's been performing off-Broadway. <laughs> and her opening was met with rave reviews. 
Nice. What was she doing in New York, Mom? It's called a hot Carl. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else? No, I think we. <laughs> I think we. <laughs> well, Michelle has flown back uh, to Minneapolis and brought to a police station to be reunited with her parents and provide a statement about the uh, assault she received and suffered at the hands of her New York pimp. Did you have a long drive? I mean, oh, you've been there, you know how long we had the drive an accident. is. No big deal, I rear-ended a bread truck. <laughs> so, right, where is this cop supposed to? <laughs> no big deal, I rear-ended a bread truck. <laughs> this guy's got a weird concept of not a big deal. <laughs> oh, not a big deal, I rear-ended a truck carrying some penguins to the zoo and you know they're not used to the warm climate so i had to buy them all ice cream and then a pack of coyotes came along and i had to fend them off well, not a big deal talk to nice to see you the least where's danielle and then you wonder bud why these things happen to us what did I say now? What did I say? He's going to be here in a minute. He huh? just went to call his wife or something. Yeah, a lot of over, overlapping dialogue here, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Now, there are several YouTube comments talking about how realistic the interactions are. I don't know if you noticed any of those, Chris. I, I did. I read all the comments, yeah. And yes, uh, people do talk over each other in real life, but isn't it less likely to occur when people are standing in front of one another? Versus when someone is on the phone while being talked to by other people in the <laughs> same room? Or does this scene predict what would become the typical podcast? Uh, oh, that's a good point. But uh, you kind of think that, uh, you know, it took 20 years for him to perfect the realistic dialogue that he was uh, going for. Right. By the time he got to The Sopranos, which is known for its realistic dialogue, so... Fair yeah. enough. Well, uh, we're going to jump a little later into this conversation. Uh, Bud... That's Hal Holbrook's character. Okay. Um, he finally comes up with something to say to his daughter. What did they tell you about me? What do you want us to say? Why are you crying? I'm not crying, Mom. I have the teeth, Mick. <laughs> there you go you haven't seen your daughter in two months she's just been arrested for prostitution and you want to know how her teeth are now we do find out later that she was apparently supposed to have her braces off a month earlier which I guess it's a big deal to leave your braces on too long I, I don't know but you don't find that out till much later so it's very odd to <laughs> Well, uh, Michelle goes ahead and makes half a statement to the police before her mother decides that the girl has just had enough. So they go home where Michelle and her sister, Danielle, they like rhyming names in this clan. Michelle and her sister are reunited. They trashed my birthday party because of you. It was all set for next weekend till they heard you were coming home. Why? Mom says you've been through all this emotional stuff. Oh, man. And she doesn't want a bunch of people around her upsetting you. They're scamming you on that one, Danielle. That ain't the reason. Listen. Listen, Danielle, I'll talk to her. Oh, yeah, sure. Like, they're really going to listen to you. What'd they tell you about me? Nothing. But I saw how quiet and freaky they got. 
everybody knows about girls from around here who go to New York and about the Minnesota Strip and everything. I know the score on you. You're just like on Kojak. You're a whore. One of those old Kojak whores. <laughs> I know the score on you, see. <laughs> Who's this gal? Edward G. Robinson? <laughs> I'm no stick in the mud. I've been watching Kojak. <laughs> I got the down low. You're one of those whores like on the Golden Girls. You've been using your gams like you've been reading the Bible upside down. <laughs> So, uh, Bud, again, that's Hal Holbrook's character. Uh, he tries to extend an olive branch, branch to Michelle, you know? But at a very bizarre time in a very bizarre place. Okay. I don't recall this. Let's see this. Very short. Uh, I brought your sandwich, uh. Yeah, enjoy it in the bathroom. Yeah. Hey, when you're dressed, meet me in the kitchen, you know, for a game of billiards. <laughs> right. And we'll find out later uh, just how inappropriate that was. <laughs> it seems merely odd at this point. Later we'll find out it's horrifying. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, Hal Holbrook's character in this film is indeed pretty complex. He's, um, he's shown many times focusing on trivial day-to-day -day concerns while his family's in crisis. Right. Well, it's not clear while he regards his upstairs bathroom as a TGI Fridays. <laughs> it is clear that he cares about his daughter, but chooses to fixate on the mundane. And that's as a means of distancing himself from the grim reality that the family's facing. We're about to see an example of this as Michelle returns to the precinct to finish her statement. I will say that did look like a good sandwich, though. Yeah, yeah. Looked like a nice turkey club or something. I'd have the I'd let the guy make me lunch. Yeah, I mean, if you go through all the effort of frying up bacon to make a turkey sandwich, like top notch, man, top notch. Can't beat it. Say, I'm a green superintendent over at the Lakeland Country Club, and uh, we've been trying like the devil to get that sprinkler system fixed on the back nine before the ground really freezes up tight. It's been like uh, some cream. Yeah, no, I'll have just sugar. Ben snafus all. Your wife was mentioning that you were considering a psychologist for Michelle, so I took the liberty of giving her the name of a man that I know. Mm -hmm. There aren't too many therapists equipped to handle prostitutes and what they go through. Really? Why is that? Mr. Yeah, Hansen. well, as long as that mama back in New York gets up on some kind of charges, that's something. Mr. Johansson, a lot of people have a lot of misconceptions about the sporting life. And it diffuses the problem. I'm sorry. It's not just a matter of black what? men exploiting what? white What girls. was that? That's just can free we, uh, prostitution. Can we go back a little bit, Jim? I'm not sure, quite sure I heard that correctly. <laughs> <laughs> not too far. <clears throat> I think you went past it. We may have to hear about the back nine a second time, but <laughs> here we go. A lot of people have a lot of misconceptions about the sporting life. And it diffuses the problem. It's not just a matter of black men exploiting white girls. That's just street prostitution. There's white pimps, black... Okay, I'm pretty sure I heard it correctly, hearing yeah. it a second time. Yeah? He did refer to prostitution as the sporting life. Yeah. What? What? Have you ever heard it referred to in that 
term before? I've never heard it uh, described that way. I, I thought that was like a professional gambler or something. <laughs> the sporting life. What? Why would a... Why would a cop use that terminology? I guess maybe at the time that was considered a jargon ah, well, or a euphemism to, uh, especially when you're talking to victims' uh, parents. Okay, it might be an easier way of uh, relating to them. Well, what's old is new because I'm going to start saying that all the time now. <laughs> you also heard him. I believe the term was a mama, mal mal. I think mal yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah. Which no, I had never heard that before in my life either. Uh, but earlier, he did refer to the New York pimp as a sp- So, yeah, that was on network television, folks. Okay. <laughs> <sighs> Not my words, his. Okay. I had nothing to do with this. Still on our channel and, again, demonetized. <laughs> so, um, yeah, think? sporting life is bizarre. You it think does, for that? It, yeah, I think so. I think so. Eh, well, Jim can bleep it, I guess. No, you don't have to bleep anything. It's fine. Yeah, whatever. Who cares? But I do agree. Sporting life sounds like she ran away to join a, a polo team. Yeah. Not that she was a part of the uh, victory party. Yeah. Like, she, like uh, they call like hunters and fishers. They call them sportsmen. Right. You know, but I don't know. So uh, Michelle returns to school. Right. And uh, her principal, he's fully apprised on what she's been up to in New York. Oh, boy. I bet she's going to get a dressing down. That kind of thing might spook a girl. <laughs> nice. Nicely done. See, context sometimes still matters. That's okay. Dope. Well, we'll find out. Okay. Well, uh, <laughs> and let's find out what happened in this uh, private meeting. I'm responsible for your education and to a large extent your socialization. I think it would probably be a good thing if you told me something about New York and all of that. All of what? Your experiences, your way of life. You want me to tell you about prostitution? So that I have an idea where you're coming from. Yes, in detail. <laughs> well, <laughs> it stays right here within these walls. And don't be embarrassed, because I won't be. These soundproof walls. Were they primarily older men or what? Did they look like me? Really rather not talk about it right now, Dr. Haas. A lot of it was real bad and still kind of fresh in my mind, you know. Well, maybe some other time. Hmm? Because I want you to feel free and talk to me about your problems anytime you feel the need. Oh boy. Thanks. Now, I don't know if you heard the noise in the background during the scene, Chris. The train? Not the train. While we were watching the scene, there was a faint noise in the background. You know what that was? Him getting an erection? No, I don't know. No, possibly, but there was another one. Okay. Sting tuning his bass. (laughs) So Michelle goes into therapy to deal with her uh, trauma. Right. As recommended by law enforcement. And uh, the family agrees to it. And uh, she attends this therapy session. You have the intelligence to get anything out of school you want to. Just like Dr. Haas. You know, I gotta tell you, that's why this therapy deal ain't gonna work between us. What's why? 
There ain't a man around I can't seduce. That's really throwing down the gauntlet right there, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna call her on her bluff. And uh, Jim, can you put my phone number up on the screen, please? And uh, Mayor Winningham, give me a call, and uh, we'll see about that. Because <laughs> I'm guessing you're about sixty years old right now. <laughs> Probably around there. Yeah. Oh man. Word gets around in a small, small town saying Martina McBride right before she caused all that trouble among those mythical creatures. <laughs> but she could have easily been singing about any high school. Michelle's sister told the wrong person about what Michelle had been up to in the Big Apple. Oh, boy. And uh, now it's common knowledge among her classmates. Well, you don't want that. No, not at all. But is that no. a modern-day photo of Mayor Winningham? Yeah, there she is. She's still a pretty gal. Yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah. put my number up, and uh, yeah. Did I derail the show with this? I'm sorry. No, I, I'm just... I'm, I'm just okay. Um, so all of her classmates know what she's been up to. Um, but uh, there's a shy boy called Dwayne in her class. Okay. And um, she has his attention. Right. And he asks her out on a date. So yeah, she he's might... Also, he's also drinking and driving. That's... So that's happening. Well, yeah, but this was 1980. I think all kids did that. I think it was legal back then. And not only legal, mandatory. Yeah, didn't, our, didn't one of our presidents... Uh, Get pinched on that back around that time? Uh, yeah, I, I believe uh, uh, George W. Maybe Bush. three presidents ago. Yeah. 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 All right. Um, <clears throat> also, a senator ran into some trouble with it, too, but that was before that. Involved a bridge? No? Not following me? All right. Oh, I'm following you. I'm following you. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, so Dwayne asks her out on a date, and um, let's see how the date goes. Right. Yeah, they're in his car. This is a nice, a nice high school date. You know, it's good for her to get back to normal. Do kids hype things? Right. Do things kids in uh, high school right. do. Being a typical teenager. Exactly. So good for her. Yeah. I heard that, uh, like, you, you were a hooker and everything. Is that true? Who said? Dan's partner of mine. He's, he's uh, aunt's a nurse at Kennedy High, and uh, Oz told him. Yes, yeah, true. Why? I wanted to ask you something. I was going to ask you the first time, you know, but... Would you go to bed with me for $30? I get the money up front. She went for it. <laughs> I got to say, dude, I think he jumped the gun, man. It seemed like she was enjoying the date. Yeah, yeah, You yeah. know? You could have just played that out. And he might have saved himself $30. $30, yeah. Mm -hmm. We also found out earlier that she charged 20 So already you're overshooting, right? There. Yeah, well, he has no idea. Yeah, he, he doesn't, doesn't know the going rate. He doesn't know what he's doing. No, 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 no. And uh, this scene continues. Let's see a little more. You want to get done like a real hooker, do you? 
Tell me you saw that coming, folks. <laughs> nice. Now you remember, oh yeah, this guy made the Sopranos. Yeah. <laughs> also handled that pretty well. Very smart. Uh-huh. Took, his, took the 30 bucks and his wall. And um, Michelle's sister's birthday is coming up. And she wants to get her a nice gift. So she starts sneaking out of the house to earn money the old-fashioned way, mm. or the oldest-fashioned way. <laughs> um, one day, Dwayne, the boy she stole the money from. Now, Steve, I, I don't mean to stop you there, but uh, you might think resorting to prostitution to get your sister a, a birthday present is a bit extreme. <laughs> but uh, we should point out that she wanted to get her something really nice, like a uh, color TV for her room. Oh, well, see, there you go. So... That'll send the yeah. gal out on the streets. Yeah, you can't get the job down at the local ice cream parlor and make that kind of money. That's not gonna. That's yeah. not gonna cover it. So, uh, Dwayne, the boy she stole the money from, spots her on a street corner. She's working, and this occurs. Where's my money? Where's my money, you whore? Don't ever miss a trip for I believe I heard you and Jim having that conversation uh, a few weeks ago. <laughs> oh. oh, man. So, believe it or not, Michelle and Dwayne, they quickly see the funny side and become a proper couple. Which I guess is uh, would be our typical face turn that we usually spotlight. But we're not going to see how that happens because it's very subtle and it takes a while. Yeah. But it does occur. But one thing I got to point out, though... As that whole process is occurring, there's a lot of scenes that aren't that remarkable. But why did he call his friend, who it seems like they work at a garage together and play in a band together, not even really a band. They just jam together in his garage. Yeah. Why did he refer to him as his partner? I think they're partners either musically or in the, uh, in, at work. It doesn't seem like that is appropriate in either sense, though. Like they're, they're still in high school or just graduated high school. Right, right. They're not old enough to own their own garage. So they can't be business partners. And, and do you ever refer to a bandmate as a partner? <laughs> no, no, I guess it is an odd choice of words. I mean, this is more of a partnership. I never call you a partner. No, no, no. No, that'd be weird. Yeah, there yeah. are romantic connotations to that today. But was that the case then? I, I don't know. I know when I was writing with a friend of the show, Dan Goodman, we, we consider ourselves writing partners. Right. But that's uh, that's commonly ascribed to people who write together. That is. That's a common term. I'd yeah. never heard it to describe two people who work in a garage together is all I'm saying. It's a little weird. Weird phrasing. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> so, uh, yeah, Dwayne is a part-time mechanic. And as you mentioned, he is in a musical duo with one of his friends. Now, his brother, he's in a struggling band out in Los Angeles. Yeah. Dwayne's uh, brother. Yeah, his name is like Nikki Six or something. I forget what they said. <laughs> He's uh, out in L.A. because history tells us Minneapolis in 1980 was a horrible place to be a musician. Mm. In their mother's recipe for hot dish, something tells me she overdoes it with the carrots. <laughs> a call comes into the Johansson home. He's very unhappy. Something important is going to be happening in the next week or so. A business trip. Looks like I'll be staying at Albert J's place over by Nicolette Avenue. Mickey? Was that Herb Mungan asked? Mickey? 
<laughs> you heard it, folks. Herd Bonganess. <laughs> Herd Bonganess. You don't know who he is, do you? He is the uh, person running for city council whose campaign her mother is working on. Right, right. But uh, he sounds kind of uh, similar to our, our own war correspondent, uh, Hugh Mongus Becker, <laughs> oh, oh, which is what made me laugh, the name Herb Manganess. We, we may be hearing from in the future from oh, nice. an undisclosed location. Who knows? Nice. <clears throat> so, so, Lewis, Michelle's old pimp, he's back in town. He hopes to see her to convince her to uh, drop the assault charges and fall back under his spell. That's not likely to happen until a misunderstanding at school Leads to both of her parents landing punches on her. Yeah. Uh, do you want to talk about the incident at school? I don't remember which one. Re- oh, where she gets uh, caught in the uh, her AV room. Yeah, yeah, her ex-boyfriend and his friends uh, encounter her in the hallway. I guess this is after school. And they tell her that uh, they're inviting her to a party. Well, it's, oh, how sounds nice. very nice. Yeah, once again, getting back into the flow of being a typical teenager. Teenage life, yeah, and, yeah. and a soiree. Right. But then uh, they lay out the plan. Okay, we'll put we'll set you up in a private room. We'll pull our cash, and we can all have our way with you. Oh, that's the crux of the, uh, the proposal. Yeah. Well, that also happens in high school sometime. But uh, what? No, all right, fine. Yeah. But uh, <clears throat> she uh, kind of baits them in uh, to going into, as you said, the AV room, uh, where she kind of humiliates them. Yeah. Or humiliates her ex-boyfriend, who was the main... I guess he's the leader of this uh, small gang. Yeah. But the door opens, and the principal sees her in this room with these boys. And I think gets jealous or something. Yeah. And assumes the worst, and her parents find out. So they beat the crap out of her. So after all this... She goes to see Lewis, her ex-pimp, and after a long chat in his car, she tells him um, she won't be going back to New York with him. He's not best pleased. Neither is Dwayne. He's the boyfriend um, who has followed Michelle to the scene. But what he's not pleased about is not her not going back to New York. It's about this meeting taking place and the danger she's put herself in. Now, I got to stop you right there, Steve. Sure. I need to point out a writer's note here. Uh, Lewis is a good name. For the boyfriend, Dwayne is a good name for the pimp. So you gotta you gotta switch those up a little bit. <laughs> Just a little helpful note from one professional writer to another. <laughs> All right, let's see this. Just shut up. This here is an $80,000 automobile. This here is a niche. <laughs> Did you see what's happening, Mr. O'Man? I love the calm under fire.
Wayne. Wayne, I think the cops are going to be there in a little while. You better go. Yeah, so that occurs. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Lewis is a pretty cool guy. Like, not cool, like, he's cool, like, uh, can you imagine getting someone shooting at your car and you just got and be like, dude, this is an expensive car. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> you mean cool meaning unfazed. Yeah, exactly. Not cool meaning actually a decent character who you'd, one would want to uh, emulate in life. Well, we did see uh, his pad earlier in the oh, movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, not only is he, is he running a prostitution ring out of there, He's also filming porno- pornographic movies. Yeah, so. it looked like a scene from Shaft. Yeah, so I think actually he is pretty cool in every sense uh, of the Yeah, word. I'm sure he's doing well. He's killing it in life. Uh, <clears throat> now, I have a feeling, Chris, and we did talk about it earlier, we're both going to recommend this movie. Not to spoil the ratings, but yeah, uh, we're both going to. I mean, it's obvious. Out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I'd like to talk about, but not show, a scene in hopes that those watching us will seek this out. Okay. Uh, Dwayne and Michelle run away together. Right. Now, Hulene, she's the mother. Michael learned it. Her name is Hulene? Her name is, is Hulene, indeed. What the hell? She sees them at the store, uh, Dwayne and Michelle, getting provisions for the road. Right. They later come to the house, and Michelle grabs a few belongings. We don't see any of this. What we see is Hulene drinking at the kitchen table, breaking the news to Bud that Michelle has run away, and this time she's not coming back. Yeah. And Hulene is sure of it. Yep. And you see the father, Hal Holbrook, whatever the character's name is. Yeah, but you see his reaction to this, which is uh, pretty far out there. But right? also very powerful and very effective. Yeah. I had to watch it twice to make sure that what I was hearing was actually what was going on. Because I thought he, when he says he took a whack at his daughter, I assume that meant that he hit her. Uh, and then I watched it a second time because I thought maybe that's not what he meant. And now after watching the second time, I don't think that's what he meant. You have a different interpretation yeah. of that language. Yeah. I think he meant a whack had he had a whack. Yes. Um, with his daughter in the room, if you get my meaning. So a very revealing. I don't want to get too graphic, but it sounds powerful. like maybe he was pounding his pecker, but I don't <laughs> want to get too graphic. Let's not get too graphic. <clears throat> Isn't that our war correspondent we're going to hear from next week? <laughs> or uh, we heard from last week? By the way, and he, and he, in, his, in his defense, and this is what he says in his defense, as to why he would molest his daughter, uh, she's way better looking than her cousins. Even their fathers say so. So, I mean, <laughs> when, you, when you're faced with that kind of temptation on a daily basis... Right. Yeah. Well, that scene is uh, very well written, very well acted, and um, worth watching only in the context of having seen the entire film. So Michelle and Dwayne have indeed run away. They've run away to L.A. Dwayne plans, uh, he plans to pursue his musical dreams. Sure. And Michelle will maybe get a job as a waitress. I think that comes up. I don't know. As soon as they pull into town, uh, their car breaks down on Sunset Boulevard. Let's see what happens here. You get so moody sometimes. So what? Gonna get us to Venice or what? Venice, it's shot, Michelle. I don't even know where the hell Venice is. I'll tell you one thing, it sure as hell isn't on no movie stuff, man. You should relax more. I can work. We'll get jobs. I'm 16. I used to wait tables at summer camp, remember? I told you. 
can get a job in the garage around here. There's lots of garages around here. Hell, Dwayne, all they got around here is cars. You'll feel better when Tony gets here, I think. You get started on your music and get your brother's help and everything. That's where you'll end up, I just know it. As soon as things get tight. People in Hollywood say there's nothing but... Hey, would you like to move this thing? There's people who'd like yeah, to get dude, some gas. That seemed uncalled for. <laughs> but is he wrong? No, but why say that? Well, he's against car force. Come on, Chris. Dwayne, <laughs> you said you want to take care of me. Protect me. What, you don't want it anymore? You laughed at me when I said it. It was a big joke, right? And all of a sudden it's serious? Taking care of other people is always serious. And that's what makes it such a joke. I've done a lot of it so I know how you feel. Where are you going? I'm gonna walk the strip. I wanna see what's happening. That's a John Hyatt song. Also, there's no reason for him to run for that car. None whatsoever. I was trying to read the name of this restaurant, but I couldn't make it out. See, yeah. That they faded out on the music, though. But I, I think it's so you hear the ambient noise of the city at that time in that moment in this young girl's life. Yeah, and it makes you question what happens next, right? And a lot of people in the comments um, were talking about how the ending reminded them of The Sopranos, the ending of The Sopranos, right? Yeah, I mean it's similar. I don't think it's similar. Well, it's ambiguous. It's ambiguous, but there are only two possible uh, outcomes. Either she does go back to prostitution, or they find a way, and uh, they succeed. What are you talking about? pull a life together out in Los Angeles. But uh, in The Sopranos, it was, uh, we don't know what the hell happened. We weren't left thinking with this, uh, uh, what are they dead now? Who was that guy in the bathroom? Did he not wash his hands? Is that what this is all about? What the, is Steve Perry somehow involved? I don't know what's going on over here. <laughs> This didn't end anything like that. But there's way more than two possibilities. She could end up with another guy. She could end up living anywhere in the country other than Los Angeles or Minnesota. There's a, um, almost um, limitless possibilities. Okay, but uh, those are all in one category. That's one possibility, in my opinion. All right. She either does or doesn't go back to prostitution. Uh, okay. But she still has a, her whole life story to tell. That's why I said, I, I wish they had made a show about her instead of The Sopranos. More interesting people. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, how about a top YouTube comment? You want to do that? Sure. Okay. Under the video, uh, th there were two. 
Yeah, and they were actually one on top of each other as they list these things. So I just grabbed both of them. And uh, one guy says, uh, damn girl, work. Which, very nice. W-E-R-K. Yeah, very to the point. And then below that, uh, New York City sucks. Trust me, I went there once and hated it. <laughs> so believe it, this is a voice of expertise speaking here. <laughs> New York City sucks. Well done, sir. I don't I don't have their names in front of me, but you can see them on there. And you know, we, we want to give credit where credit is due. I tried to post my own comment uh, uh, dealing with the uh, the term sporting life, but for some reason <laughs> Uh, I was not able to post this comment, um, so I, I, you know, I don't know. I don't know why. Well, that's unfortunate. What exactly was the comment? I don't remember, but something about the sporting life and how I saw this on Kojak. <laughs> what, that sounds appropriate. I yeah. don't, I don't, I don't it's know. talking about the movie. Uh, so uh, do you want to rate this? I, I mean, I'm going all in. I'm giving this a five, five stars or five uh, Meredith's. Five Meredith Baxters. Yeah. You know what? Uh, I'm going to go slightly lower. I'm going to say uh, four out of five. All right. Despite the few odd choices we discussed, it's definitely a solid production all around. Yeah. Not to mention the performances of uh, Hal Holbrook and Mayor Winningham. Yeah. Now, that gives it a combined rating of four and a half, which is way bigger than any movie we've done before. So it rockets right up to number one, as you'll see in these stand these right here. <laughs> yeah, so uh, definitely recommended. Chris, is there anything we didn't talk about you might want to talk about? No, I don't have anything else I need to talk about tonight on the air. Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. Well, in that case, uh, thanks so much for putting up with us. Uh, we'll be back uh, next time. And uh, like, comment, subscribe. I'm Steve Rees. For Chris Morgani and for Jim, Askiwiwi. Askiwawa. Tigers, eat, eat them raw. raw. We did it. Uh,